innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world and home of Team Rock. I am Jeff Shaw, and this is the Cage Side Concussion Cast. We are your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. Uh, we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM and streaming live at whoopfm.org. So whether you're here in Hillsboro or pawing at your phone somewhere or uh, gallivanting around the internet, come with us, won't you, and listen to the untold stories of martial arts in North Carolina and beyond. Today I'm really excited because we get to interview my good friend, the one and only Mary Holmes. Mary is a four-stripe purple belt at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Team Rock member and one of the most skilled mat technicians around. If you've trained Jiu-Jitsu with Mary, you know that already. Recently, she won both her weight class and the open weight absolute division, the coveted double gold at the IBJJF PANS, which is the largest Jiu-Jitsu tournament. She'll also be competing at our event, the Concussion Cast Carnival, on May 1st against the mighty Lori Porsche of Beta Academy, another former Concussion Cast guest. So I'm really excited to talk to Mary about all these things and more, uh, about her Jiu-Jitsu journey, about teaching, about training, about her philosophy on uh, work-life balance and the Mary Holmes wine diet. But first, we're going to summarize some martial arts news from the weekend. If we missed anything, let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWhoop. You can also sh- shout us out with the hashtag CagesideWhoop. Our email is CagesideWHUP at gmail.com, and we are on Facebook at CagesideRadio. All of this information is always on our show page at whoopfm.org. If you miss the show, you can catch us at that website or on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, where you can check us out. And if you like us, leave a review, please. So, because Trevor Hayes is unable to join me today, uh, Mary is actually going to help me out on the news segment, which we will get to on the other side of this sound. North Carolina. Thanks to my man DJ Mini Love for creating that sound. He will be spinning live at the Concussion Cast Carnival May 1st, which we'll be talking about later on in the news segment. But because Trevor can't join us, uh, Mary, I would love it if you'd help me break down the news for the folks. Do you want to say hi to the listeners? Hi, friends. <laughs> awesome. So, Mary, as you know, um, so you're a regular competitor, and one of the IBJJF competition tournaments that's a major tournament is uh, ha- is happening right now. Uh, the Gi mm-hmm. Division of the New York Open was yesterday, and the No Gi Division is today. And so earlier, some of our friends and training partners, uh, local folks from around the area, took home some medals. Uh, DeAndre Corbet took a bronze medal. Have you ever had a chance to roll with DeAndre? I have never rolled with DeAndre, but I hear nothing but amazing things about him and just how good he is, how technical he is, how effortless his jiu-jitsu looks, and, you know, again, that's just amazing. So. Yeah, and he, he does really well in all the competitions. Uh, Jin Ho Kim, who I'm sure you've had a chance to roll with, the Korean Honey Badger, also took a bronze medal in the Adult Purple Belt Division. Uh, Jin Ho, in addition to being a really great mat tech, uh, technician, has some pretty insane physical attributes that he brings to bear. Oh, God. I, I, and, like, 
I can remember multiple times just trying to sweep Jinho, which is impossible. He's just doing splits in the air. And and again, like his spider guard actually is pretty tough to pass. I don't think I've ever done that either. He's He's pretty beastly and amazing, so congratulations to him. Yeah, we're really lucky to have such good folks to train with in the area. A couple of other folks that, that I want to mention, uh, Vicente <laughs> Jr., uh, legendary black belt, comes down to train. You and I have both taken seminars with and private lessons with VJ. <laughs> VJ took gold again, which is sort of, uh, you know, a, a, what, what VJ does. Yes. He did that at Pans as well. And, I mean, it, and again, it's, it's smooth. It's, um, he, he gets to his happy place. And he capitalizes on it. He's amazing. Yeah, he's really like he's. It, it's really inspiring for me as a as a smaller person to watch VJ just kind of go out and armbar everybody, um, which is pretty nice. Uh, and speaking of smaller people, I want to shout out my, my good friend Kevin Brower, who's another uh, purple belt, competes with me in the Masters Division a bunch, and uh, who also took a gold medal at the New York Open. So, unfortunately, our buddy John Bagels Telford lost a really tough ref's decision, which is really frustrating and unfortunate. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, Bagels is going to compete today, Nogi. So I just want to send our best wishes to John. I hope that uh, he co- goes out and, uh, and goes forth and conquers uh, this morning. Um, there, there was one other, one, there one, other, one other gold medal that we wanted to, what to shout out. Oh, right. The one and only Lori Porsche, Mary's concussion cast opponent, is going to, uh, took gold uh, yesterday at the New York Open in the Gi. Yes, yes. And so we're going to be breaking down your match with Lori earlier, but you've trained with Lori. Yes. And so, like, do you want to say something about her skills, about her, you know, about her performance yesterday? So Lori and I have kind of rolled together at open mats and not necessarily in tournaments, but she is absolutely amazing. She's... She's compact, you know, she's smaller than me, but she just is is very technical, very fluid, very smooth, very strong, but not that Hulk smash strong. She's technically strong and very gifted, and I'm super excited about this match, and congratulations to her for her her gold medal at New York. I'm also, that's one of the matches that I'm most looking forward to at the carnival, and we'll break down the whole carnival card in a bit. Um, so before we get into that, though, um, so U.S. grappling, one of the, you know, really, you know, I often say U.S. grappling are the best run tournaments that I've competed at. Um, they come back to Greensboro on April 23rd, and so everybody listening who does jiu-jitsu should uh, consider registering for that. Are you going to be competing at that, Mary? I am not going to be competing at that one. Um, I may be out of town that weekend, but if not, then I may either try to compete or at least go coach and cheer on my teammates Mm -hmm. so even if you don't compete um it's a great chance to go you know support the people that you know help you get better at jujitsu i think that's a really understated thing right like even if you're not competing just you know uh, being there and like a watching helps you get better at jujitsu because you see all these people that are training you know competing at a high level and also it's just more fun for everyone to have you know be surrounded by people yelling for you you know if you win you can celebrate with them if you lose you you got all these people to pick you up and commiserate and so jujitsu is a team sport regardless of what 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 people say and so it's really important to to do that so uh, like one other one other jujitsu competition event that i want to mention which is the Atlanta BJJ Pro, which is April 30th. And I know a lot of local folks are going to be competing at that. John Bagels-Telford is going to be competing at that. My roommate Alex Cummings, Blue Belt Beast, is going to be competing at that. I'm sure some other folks as well. Um, and so I just want to like get that on people's radar screens. So if you are interested in competing in a tournament with, uh, with some actually cash prizes at stake, uh, that's going to be in Atlanta on the 30th. So a few other non-competition things that we want to talk about. You know, both both you and I, Mary, go to a lot of seminars because, you know, me and Mary are jiu-jitsu nerds, both of us. And so we like to learn from the smartest folks that we can. And one of those really smart folks, Hanette Stack, is coming back to Richmond BJJ May 14th. Hanette is 
she's the actual first female black belt whose seminar I attended, and I was a blue belt at the time, and it was at Richmond. And what is great about Hanette is that she's that person. She comes up to me. She's like, hey, friend. She's very friendly. And her jiu-jitsu is very accessible. Like, she takes moves that um, anyone should or could know and and always gives some sort of information or detail to anyone of any belt level. Um, she's just an overall great person. And I, I'm excited. I've already signed up for the, the seminar myself. So I highly recommend it to anyone, male or female, to go. And in terms of credentials, Hanette is one of the most accomplished competitors of all time. I think she's won the world eight times in the gi. Uh, so just, just and you know has won every major tournament that you could possibly win, and so it's always awesome to see that overlap because the best competitors are not always the best teachers, but everybody go, who goes to a Hanet seminar has come back and said, "Wow, this person really broke down these techniques in a way that I could easily implement into my game." Um, so another thing, another thing that's happening at Richmond BJJ in June, which I can talk about because Trevor's not here and I won't get made fun of until Jason Culberth hears <coughs> this show. <laughs> is Vegan BJJ Camp, which this will be the second year. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go last year, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, how would you describe Vegan J BJJ Camp, Mary? You went last year. I did. I did go last year, and I am not vegan nor vegetarian. Um, Eric and Liz are amazing. So so what they did is they created a three-day um, food kind of learning experience, like for vegans, you know, here's how to make these, these foods, like kind of, in, that you can incorporate with training as well, eating for a vegan athlete, um, research about about why veganism is important for in terms of climate change, in terms of overall health, and also some really, really, really great jujitsu. So I highly recommend it, meat eater or not, vegan or not. They are great people. So awesome, and you know, Mary and I on the show, the vegan and the carnivore both training in pride and both recommending vegan BJJ camp. So check that out if you're interested. I want to save the, the carnival, the concussion gas carnival, for our last bit of a, the new segment, but the day after the concussion gas carnival, which if you haven't been paying attention is this big live event that we're throwing in downtown Durham. We'll get into that more in about in, in a second. So friend of the show, uh, really good black belt, Caitlin Huggins, who is uh, now, I'm proud to, to, to report, a concussion cast sponsored fighter, uh, is going to be in town and is actually going to be teaching a class at your gym on May 2nd. Is that right? Right. So uh, the first Monday of every month, we have our women's only jujitsu class. And Caitlin's going to be our guest instructor that night. So any area women who are interested, um, you don't have to be a member of Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Please come out and take the class with us. How would you describe Caitlin's teaching style for those of you who haven't trained with uh, with Caitlin before? So Caitlin is really great. She is is really good about little details, um, and I and I'm really impressed with that. Teaching is a really hard skill, and to to master to develop. And she um, does a good job kind of breaking things down, uh, progressing the move as needed depending upon, you know, the, the person's skill or belt level and always kind of coming back to tricky points. So I, I think she's a really amazing instructor and I think it's worthwhile for everyone to come out and learn from her. Yeah, Caitlin's a terrific jiu-jitsu practitioner. And so if you're a, a woman and trained jiu-jitsu in the area, May 2nd, that's going to be the Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, women's class taught by Caitlin Huggins. And so for the last bit of our news segment, we're going to talk about another thing related to Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin is the co-made event against Samantha Fallhaber of the Concussion Cast Carnival. If you haven't been listening or this is the first that you're hearing of this, on May 1st, we're throwing our first ever live event. There's going to be a dozen jiu-jitsu super fights featuring awesome practitioners, including Mary, including Caitlin Huggins, including 
including Sam Fallhaber. Nakapon from Beta Academy is going to compete against Neil Zumbro in another epic black belt confrontation. There's going to be a lot of really good brown belts, a lot of really good purple belts as well. Uh, Cody Malte is going to run back his match with Dave Porter. They're going to do it Nogi this time. That was an incredible match in the Gi. It's going to be terrific Nogi as well. Um, Dave Porter is also teaching a seminar on April 30th at uh, at uh, which I, at, at uh, which I'll post information about on the Facebook page. But so the the thing about the carnival is it's not just jujitsu matches. We're also going to have a free women's self defense seminar taught by Seth Champ, Kim Rice, and Shayla Two, three really outstanding folks. We're going to have a free worm guard seminar uh, for those of you that train jujitsu, taught by Daniel Frank from uh, from uh, Revolution BJJ in Richmond. We're going to have two food trucks. We're going to have acai bowls. We're going to have cold pressed coffee. We're going to have carnival games. Uh, and all manner of fun stuff, and you can watch Mary uh, take on Lori Porsche in one of what I think will, will be one of the, will the 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 best matches of the night. So please check that out. Please come on out. That's at Durham Central Park, May first, from noon to about three or four p.m., depending on how long things go. And we're going to get break down at least one of those matches in depth during our featured interview with Mary Holmes, which we will get to right after I play this bumper. If you're if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're not really into jujitsu, I'm I'm a little bit creeped out, honestly. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on whupfm.org. So Mary, it's ter- it's terrific to have you in the studio. Um, so. Most recently, you competed at the IBJJF PANS. Now, for those of you that don't train or that haven't, don't have a lot of experience with competition, the PANS is actually the largest jiu-jitsu tournament with the most competitors. And so it's the one that a lot of folks want to win. And so you were able to win both your weight class and you were able to win the absolute division. Was this a long-time goal for you or was it just part of your standard competition routine? So it is a long it's been a long-term goal, and I would say back in 2012 when I did my first Pan Ams, I decided to do it, and I went with um, two teammates and my instructor, Mozzie Hayderi, and I came in second that year. But my goal, and I, I went back and I looked at the notebook that I had written my goals down in, was like to medal at the Pan Ams. And my goal again this year was to medal at the Pan Ams. And so it was incredibly, incredibly exciting to win gold, like – twice so um i know we were joking around about this i saw kim rice last weekend and yesterday and then again last weekend at a bridal shower and i'm like she told me congratulations i'm like yeah but you do this all the time <laughs> um she's amazing but it, it was fun and it was a really 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 good experience and against really really accomplished you know juditeras or whatever the word is now but like practitioners and and no one is coming in there lightly. People have come in and they've trained really hard for a really long time. And so it was it was really fun. One of the benefits of training jiu-jitsu in this time is the live streams are a lot higher quality. And so those of us that are your friends and teammates can can watch from afar. And I was fortunate enough to get a watch, to watch your matches. And, and I want to lift up something Mary said, which is the people that you, you competed against were tough. And it were clearly battle ready, and were coming to try to give you to give you their best shot. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you win each match by submission? I did. And and like what was kind of cool to watch as someone that was rooting for you is so the ideal of jujitsu is positional dominance inevitably leading to submission, where like you start in a, a neutral position, now I advance my position, now I advance to a more dominant position. B- then points are scored by virtue of like okay, just by virtue of that progress towards submission. And then ultimately the goal is submission. And so are you always hunting for the submission in every match you have? Not necessarily. I, um, my goal since I got my purple belt is to be able to stay on top of people or in dominant positions. 
the I feel like as someone who is I'm not a small woman, but I'm small for jujitsu. And so I for a very long time even still now would get to a good position and immediately feel like I got thrown off or like got you know, I go for the submission very quickly, very hastily, and like totally got, you know, thrown back on my back. And I'm like, okay, now I've got to do it all over again. Versus like, here I am, I want to be able to stay here no matter how large or squirmy this opponent is. And in like, in terms of not only competition, but self-defense, I feel like that's the thing that's very important to me. So my goal in these matches to go out with first and foremost was not to have some sort of gastrointestinal disaster on the mat, but mostly in order to like get to a good position and and stay there. And luckily it worked out through, I just happened to have a really good day. I had a great mindset. I had great coaches and I got to good positions and I got to finish and it was, and it was awesome. I want to talk a little about your absolute finals match because I had watched, and I I apologize for not knowing uh, the woman's name, Mm -hmm. but I'd watched her compete because I wanted to scout out like who are the who are the women that mary's going to compete against and she was mowing through people like had a tremendous day she was much taller than you uh like maybe maybe six to seven inches taller than you it looked like uh, do you remember what do you remember about that match specifically about your finals match like and, and for me this is a two-part question i want to talk about like how you remember the match progressing but also did you feel any pressure knowing hey i'm going into absolute finals at the pans and i'm so close to achieving this goal that a lot of jiu-jitsu folks have so I, I, I will say this, that I am a very nervous competitor. And, but once I get through my first match, I'm generally fine. So I have to just get through that first match, and then I'm, my mindset changes, and I have fun. And so I, you know, I was talking to Jason Colbreth and Mozzie. Hey, Jerry, we were kind of in the corner, and, and we watched her win. I believe her name is Georgina. She was amazing. Yeah, she's, she's absolutely great. amazing. Um, I saw her, you know, very quickly win her like uh, two matches before me while I was waiting to go. And they kind of just kind of started joking with me and talking to me and making me less nervous. And they're like, you know, and, and I thought about it. I'm like, I've already, I got my gold medal. I get a medal here. I've worked really hard. I'm, a, I'm really happy at this moment in time fine and you know they gave me some good advice about positioning and watch out for this watch out for that and I think that not to to say I am awesome at this but what I do do well is listen to other people tell me what to do and you know I just listen to them and, and and it helped a lot but but that my mindset was different for that match and I think it made it a lot easier the pressure was was gone yeah, and both things can be true, right? Both Jason Colbreth and Mozzie Haydari are two of the most respected technical black belts in the area and instructors, but you are also pretty awesome at this, and I think the results bear that out. But I do want to talk about, you know, something you mentioned. Let's follow up on that, mm-hmm. about, you know, you are a nervous competitor, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are. Because right. competition is stressful no matter what. And so I'm wondering, what does competition do for you as a jiu-jitsu practitioner? Does it, like, what do you think the primary benefits of competition are, and why do you continue to do it? So for a little while, I didn't want to compete. It, because I was, I was like, oh, I just hate that feeling, and I'm nervous, and uh, just whenever I go compete, it's against the same people all the time. And then I just kind of realized that that's just me being afraid. And I think a lot of us are. Like, we are all incredibly afraid of the what ifs, like all the catastrophizing we do in our heads, all the negative things that we see that could happen. But 
if you stop and think about it, yeah, all those bad things can happen, but wonderful, amazing things can happen as well in terms of you learn and grow as a competitor and you learn how to change your mindset about competing. And if you aren't huge into competing in the sense that you don't want medals, but you do care about self-defense, that awful like adrenaline overload is terrible. That tunnel vision you get is terrible. And I think it's just as important to like recognize that and deal with that through competition so that in the future, like you, you are aware of it, that mindfulness that comes from, from acknowledging what you're feeling. And I think that competition allows you to do that in a controlled environment. And, um, and again, like you don't get benefits if you don't take take risks. Like you don't grow, you can grow in jujitsu. It's not you, not everyone has to compete. Like no one, like I know a lot of people who are amazing at jujitsu who I never see compete. But I also see a lot of people who compete and they come back and they're like, I did this, this, and this well, but I want to work on this, this, and this. And so for those people who kind of like are losing focus on what they want to work on next. I think competition is a good way to get that back. So I think that the mindfulness from the controlling the the adrenaline, the nervousness, um, working on getting over certain fears and kind of harnessing that energy, and then also too the the growing and growing as a jujitsu um, practitioner. Like this is what I want to work on next, and again getting that focus. So those are the things that I think of when I think of competition. Before, before the show, you and I talked a little bit about your competition schedule mm-hmm. and like what your plans are for the year, some of the tournaments that you want to do. I'm wondering, do you set goals for your competitions or do you just try to train and say, you know, I'm going I'm to put the best Mary Holmes on the mats that I possibly can and let the chips fall where they may? I'm specifically wondering about this in, in, in terms of your competitions this year. So I think it's mostly – so I, I try to put the – best Mary forward. So going back to to talking about um, when I said about Vicente Jr. and getting to his happy place first, like when I compete, like I want to see that I can get to my happy place first. And if I get in a place where I'm not particularly comfortable or happy, that I can get back to it. So that is my overall goal. I have, I will do a lot of positional rolling or work on specific things that I like, I know that I'm I have a, a huge weakness or this is a hole in my game. I'm like, put me here, put me here. I did that a lot before Pain AMs. Um, and again, it makes you kind of work on starting on your feet. I don't think that we do that enough in class. And it's a, it's a, it's an issue that a lot of us have, not just myself. So I try to start on my feet more. I try to get myself in bad positions. I try to find those people that give me really hard time and suck it up when they submit me over and over and over again. And because I want to go out there and, and just, I, I would like to do well. And I, I'm one of those people that, like, when I know I have a test coming up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study for it. And so I rather just like study, think about the possible things that could happen, and then get there. I don't have to win a certain way. I don't have to get to like this submission every single time. If it's there, great. But I just kind of want to go and make sure I, I do a good job. So you don't think in terms of medals. I mean, you mentioned before that you had. Mm-hmm. You set a goal of like, I'd love to medal at the pans, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily think of that as an end in itself. No, I mean, I think that, again, over the past year, over the past few months, like, my mindset has really started changing a lot when it comes to jujitsu. I, for a long time, took myself so seriously. Like, I felt like I had to prove that I deserved to be at jujitsu and that you, you guys had to let me into the club. 
And now that I kind of don't care about that anymore, I'm like, like if I lose at jujitsu, it doesn't mean that I'm bad at jujitsu. If I like lose this tournament, like I'm not bad. And if I win this tournament, I'm not the best. I'm win or lose, I'm going to go back and go back to class the next day. So, and it took me a while to kind of like get over the having to prove myself or to impress people. Like, you know, now it's kind of like, I just want to be able to do this for a long time. I want to have fun. And I want to be able to use this not only as the thing that, like, I enjoy as a chess match, but also for protecting myself in self-defense as well. So that mindset change has kind of changed my outlook. I think it's more fun now to compete because of it. Before it was so stressful and so awful. And now it's like, great, what am I going to learn this time? Or who am I going to see? And what other things are out there? And so... So you mentioned self-defense and mm-hmm. setting a goal of being able to protect yourself and things like that. There's a divide in the jiu-jitsu community these days between uh, – there's a lot of anim- – you know, I, I don't want to say animosity, but there's there's arguments between the pure sport folks and the pure self-defense folks. And I'm just wondering – I've always thought that that was a false dichotomy and that you can do both. And I'm just wondering where you come down on that. So – I will be completely honest and say that probably around this time last year, I was running my mouth to my friends about how much I didn't like self-defense. And and I'll be honest about that. that and it's not fair to my instructors to say anything like that, uh, you know, behind their backs. But I was like, oh, I don't like this. This is ridiculous. We just do these, you know, moves. But they're incredibly important. And and I will bring it back to a specific moment when I was rolling with a, a teammate from Carrie. Travis Baston, and he put me in side control, and I could not move. And it was, um, and it was a hard roll already. And I got to the point that I almost cried. And I know that sounds really silly and maybe too much information, but it was that holy crap! What if this is like somebody who's not my friend, like, and I cannot get out, or this person is punching me in the face? So all of those things and all this training, like for so long and I'm like here I am and and what do I do and it kind of changed again another example of how I had to change my mindset like like this is fun and I want it to be fun but I also want when I'm rolling to think about like in situation x y and z what am I going to do and it was um it was a it was a life-changing experience and that I was like all right, self-defense is legit. It may not be like that the person's going to grab my gi out on the street and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but I not I constantly need to think about like the the aspect of, of this martial art as a martial art, like not only expressing myself as a, through like moves and like this is how I interpret like this position or this move or whatever, but also like in the at the end of the day, this should be helping me like keep people off of me keep people from punching me in the face keep people from dragging me in the woods and stuff like that so it's it, i think it's incredibly important mm-hmm. and you mentioned earlier the sort of tunnel vision that you get when the adrenaline response kicks in one thing that that i've always said and i would like to get your take on is that i feel one of the primary benefits of jujitsu training and specifically competition is most people will not have the experience of having somebody just grab them and try to do them harm. And the sort of the more that one can get used to that and being in horrible positions like the one you described where, oh, no, I'm stuck under someone and I can't get out. I think the easier it is to deal with the potential reality of a real life situation. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that's that's the thing is that um, most of the time when we're in class, we are we make ourselves very, very vulnerable when we go to jujitsu, right? Like we're in really weird positions, people we don't know that well, and there's like dripping sweat on us, and like it, it and like that that vulnerability of like 
of losing like the idea of losing it hurts like you your ego gets hurt and um but also that that knowing that like if I were on the street if I were this like this could happen to me and um but doing it again in that that environment like this is the thing that makes us safe and like these are like when we do this here and we practice this here and then like when tunnel vision hits like this is muscle memory like I automatically do this like and, you know, again, being in competition, being it like when you're practicing self-defense in class, um, being hyper aware when you're walking by yourself, you know, stuff like that. So I, I I'm, I'm sorry. I hope I answered the question. But um, but it, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, like what what matters is that you allow you allow um, training to be like your lab, you know, like this is where. I learn about situation X, Y, and Z. Like, this is where I learn, like, this is what I would do. This is what I need to work on. Um, it's okay if I lose here. No one cares who you tap in class and who taps you. Like, what matters is that you use it to grow. What would you say your happiest or proudest moment in jujitsu is? Okay, so, um, and I was, it will be paint amps this year, but not for the reason you think. It, it was um, my, my mom and my sister's. I'm about to cry. So um, at my Toro Cup match last year, my mom and my older sister came out. And, like, it was really cool and exciting. But um, I went out to California this year and, and did this. And you could watch it on Flow Grappling. And I was always like, no, don't don't tell people. I don't want anybody to watch. You know, I'm going to lose. And then um, I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm, and I told my mom and my sisters, I'm like, okay, you can watch it on this, this feed. And I didn't realize with Flow Grappling that they kind of have, like, cracked the whip on sharing so I gave them my like account and they're like well we can only watch it from one and they ended up all buying the flow grappling stream and like watching all my matches and stayed up until like 11 o'clock at night and that was the best thing like regardless of I'm really sorry I'm being so emotional but um regardless of like winning or losing that late they're like we don't know what's happening but congratulations and they were like calling me and messaging me between matches and so that was that was amazing and you know, like jujitsu as a as an old woman, like a lot of people can be like, "That's really ridiculous," and you're wasting your time. But um, you know, my parents were never like that. They're like, "We're really proud of you. Good luck." You, know, they weren't like, "Hey, you know what? You kind of have a real job that you need to pay more attention to." They're like, "Ah, good luck. Go get them. You got this." <laughs> so that was that's my happiest moment. That's amazing. That's all. And, and family and friend support is such a. a powerful thing i don't understand i don't think people understand that a right. lot of the time and and it is also kind of cool mm-hmm. maybe arguably cooler when the people that you love support you even if they're like why are you rolling <laughs> under them yeah. and what it like that, that have no idea about <laughs> jiu-jitsu does your family understand anything about jiu-jitsu not really so it's really funny with my older sister especially so um so when clark gracie i went to his seminar in richmond a couple years ago and i was talking about the seminar and she found the meme you know with him doing the umaplata and she's like i don't understand what the big deal is because doesn't isn't he losing and i'm like no he's winning and, and then i my last match in and my more way- importantly he's handsome yeah which is the whole point of the clark gracie meme <laughs> he is he's handsome. very very damn he, handsome. oh my gosh i um he did that seminar in richmond like a like it was like 2014 and i went it was actually a really great seminar if you get a chance to go to one go but he and his girlfriend were there and um i was sitting in town and liz and eric were like hey we're gonna go eat with Clark and his girlfriend you want to go I'm like I'm not good looking enough to go out to eat with you guys y'all just <laughs> go have fun but but no he was um it was a really great seminar but um 
you know, she was like, and then my like finals match of my weight class, she, my sister posted, she's like, my sister won. I don't know how she did because she looked like she was stuck underneath this lady for like forever. But anyway, I made the mistake one year of showing some coworkers when I, um, I had gone to Pan Am's and I didn't tell a lot of people in the emergency room because that's where I was working at the time, you know, that I did jiu-jitsu. But one of my coworkers saw the post on Facebook and they posted it in like the ED newsletter. And then, of course, everybody's coming up to me going, Kia! And stuff like, neuter boy from Orgasmo. You know how people do? Yes. Um, they're like, yeah. And uh, anyway, one guy tried to wrestle me in the emergency room, which is really weird. But... They were like, I tried to show them some videos. They're like, why are you hugging that lady on the ground? Like, I thought you were supposed to be fighting her. Where's the, where's the punching? Where's the kicking? Why are y'all, why are y'all hugging? You know, but Please that tell me you wrist lock that guy in the emergency room. <laughs> Please tell it me was, you wrist lock It was him. actually one of the attendings. It was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, so a, a few things you said raised something I wanted to talk about yeah. anyway, which is you know, your family talking about, well, you have this real job. You're a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And, but you're someone that's really passionate about jiu-jitsu in addition to having this very demanding and very important career. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, how do you balance your life as a nurse practitioner with uh, your passion for breaking people's joints and smashing <laughs> their faces when you're on top of them? So um, I'll be honest that right now it's still pretty hard. And I, I have a new role at my work. So I still see patients as a nurse practitioner. And I am also the nurse manager at my job. So I have the work that I need to do in terms of seeing patients and primary care is constantly changing and it's like an abyss, you know, it's a never ending kind of like amount of information out there that like that, that needs to be known. And so the, and how little I know is like a drop in, like it's like jujitsu in in that aspect. But, um, and also too, like um, I speak two languages at work. So my brain is constantly fried. And then like the interpersonal relationships as a, as the nurse manager. And, um, so I have to kind of like really kind of hunker down. Um, I spend a lot of times doing charts like either at work or on the on the weekends, a lot of research on the weekends. But it's also when I have to get a lot of my jujitsu in. So I can't train on Thursday nights. So when I started jujitsu, I trained twice a day every day for like the first five years. I trained a lot. And um, now I get to train like once a day. Um Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I can't train on Thursdays, and I'll try to find places to train on Friday when I can, but I do a lot of my training on Tuesdays, or on Saturdays and Sundays. I'll travel for jujitsu, but I kind of have to make sure that I'm a place that, like, hey, we're done. I'm gonna, I have to go off and finish, like, charts, or make sure that I've done this, or call patients from, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, to tell them about their lab results, and stuff like that. So, it is, it, it can be hard, um, you know, I don't have kids, which makes it a little bit easier for me. And I have a boyfriend who trains and is supportive, which is really helpful. I know that, I mean, but it, it's still a stress. You know, it's a stress on the relationships that I have with other people, all the things I've missed because I'm like, no, I got to go to jiu-jitsu. Got a tournament coming up. You know, like my sister's birthday party is this afternoon. And I'm like, I got to go open mat. <laughs> you know, I'll be there after open mat. I won't be there till 2.30. You know, so stuff like that. And, and, and people are understanding and... And again, like we were kind of talking about this before, like I want everyone to do jujitsu and love jujitsu, but at the same time, I'm like kind of scared for people to see how obsessed I am with jujitsu, you know, like, like, so I try to keep the two worlds separate, but. Well, this actually brings up, Mm -hmm. you know, you've taken on more of a teaching role Mm -hmm. in recent years. And so let's talk first of all about that recruitment piece. And I Mm -hmm. want to talk to you about your teaching because you did talk about how sometimes, although you and also I want everybody to train. Right. Sometimes you're also a little nervous about recruiting folks. And so talk about that a little bit. Like, what makes you nervous about it? So 
Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I think about it. one of the doctors that was at the clinic with me, uh, where I work now. She's recently moved away, but um, I normally wear swe- sweaters at work and don't wear tank tops because I'm one of those people that builds, don't want to scare them with the guns. Yeah, well, I build muscle more easily in my arms than some other people do, and so um, for those of you listening at home, I must interrupt <laughs> and tell you when Mary referees referees U.S. grappling matches, <laughs> they give us these U.S. grappling ref shirts that are very. <laughs> Classy, stately black shirts that just say referee on them. And Mary always has the sleeves rolled up as if it were a tank top so she can show off the guns. And these biceps, let me tell you, I mean, you should need you need a concealed carry for those. No, well, it's, I, it's a habit from uh, playing sports like volleyball in high school that I roll my sleeves up. And I don't know why. I can't get out of it. And I try... Not too anymore. Like, and plus, I'm a heavy sweater. So, we talked about this before the before the interview. Like, I'm a nervous talker and a heavy sweater. So, <laughs> this is gonna be an interesting interview. But um, I'm gonna make a cage side concussion cast nervous talker comma heavy sweater T-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so one of the doctors like saw my arms, and she had been doing CrossFit, and I, you know, we kind of been talking about it, and I didn't really say you know talk about jujitsu with her or if I did I didn't say what it was like again everyone thinks I just do karate and I just leave it at that and so they're like yeah Mary's a black belt at karate I'm like yeah exactly but um so she she wanted to arm wrestle me one day at work and I was like if I win do I get fired no but so um so we were joking around about that one day and she's like well I want to come out and see your gym and see how it is and she came one time she and she's amazing she's like one of the smartest people i've ever met and she's you know she'd been doing crossfit and working really hard and saw jujitsu and kind of watched one of her classes and i was really nervous because i was like now she will know the other side of me that is super obsessed with jujitsu and big jujitsu nerd and like spends a lot of time like watching matches and like video feed and should be doing charts at home (laughs) but uh she came out and she watched it one time and and i think that um i she she didn't join and she moved away but i think that what i have to remember is that people see this and they see these uncomfortable positions like that you can be with people like you're on the ground and some really weird stuff and you don't know them and they're invading your personal space and that's a big thing to get over and it's not an, e- an easy thing to get over for a lot of people and you know for you and I and some people listening it's nothing we sit there and we're like done with the match talking to each other and we're still like in, sitting in 50-50 like talking and hanging out or like inside or sitting on each other and then all of a sudden we're like oh yeah this is weird we should we should move <laughs> you know but um but it's not that way for other people, and, and, and I forget that. Like, the personal space issue is, is a huge thing. And so um, I do want people to train, but I do have to remember that that it's not for everybody. Like, not everybody's interested in, like, the good news of, of jiu-jitsu, you know? Like, <laughs> However messianic we might be about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, when, my first night I brought two really good friends, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it immediately, and they were both like, you're insane. <laughs> and and so, you know, it's 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 not for everybody. Neither is macrame or kiteboarding, right. you know? So, so you mentioned, so in addition to the recruitment piece, mm-hmm. uh, Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, where you train, right. has also started offering a, a monthly, once a month, uh, women's jiu-jitsu class as well. As, and there's numerous women's open mats around. And you've taken on a bit of a leadership role by te- teaching that class. And so, uh, so talk about your role as a teacher. Like, how is teaching for you different than your role as a competitor, as a practitioner? Like, how does your own training differ from Mary Holmes, the teacher? So, teaching, it's really hard. Like, 
it's a whole new language, you know, like, you know, it's one thing, um, the understanding what people are trying to tell you, but then that to, to the point that you understand and move enough that you don't have to put yourself physically into, into the situation to explain it. And I notice that lots of times now I'm still in that place where I have to go in and say, let me show you. And in essence, it's me trying to figure out how to say it. Like, okay, I'm actually doing this. So it's thinking about a move and all the, it's little minutia and, and details and, and, and like, getting in there and being able to not only explain what you're doing but in such a way that anyone can get it and and to people who are good at that that's an amazing skill and i've met a you know you know i think that when i started jujitsu my um mozzie was a purple belt and um so he has not only grown in his skill level as someone who does jujitsu, but as someone who teaches jujitsu. So, and I know that's really important to him. So, so seeing that transformation and kind of like, and again, like English is not his first language. So he's kind of going in and like, um, and really working on figuring out like, okay, what am I doing? How do I explain this to people? Um, and, and, and so thinking about that myself, like how do I tell someone to move their hips or like, how do I tell them to like, push like uh, their chest forward so we kind of have little kind of things everyone uses at their gym but sometimes you have to like get down like for me it's like can you explain that to me in sesame street terms like how would bert and ernie explain that to kids like and that's sometimes what i need and um and i had this conversation with jason colworth one day about a female student of his that he's like she just doesn't listen i'm like i don't think you're saying it to her in a way that she understands and we kind of talked about it and um the, you know, again, like the terminology and the things that you think, you know, are the right way to explain it, we interpret it in a, in a different way. I'm not saying women in general, but like students in general and, 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 and so many things. So you're very involved not just with the, with the women's class, but also with women's open mats around the region. Why do you think it's important uh, to have women, to have spaces that are just for women in jiu-jitsu? Um, I think that you can kind of be your more authentic self with other women. I think, you know, it's not just that we sit around and, like, talk badly about guys, but um, that's a lot of it, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, my God, this guy at my gym, he smells terrible, and he just throw me around. And um, But it, I think that you kind of get a chance to go harder with people your size and skill level without that. And I'm not saying all guys retaliate, and that's not what I mean. But without that, um, that piece, are like, are they holding back because they're bigger, or like, like, or you know, I really wish I could work on this, but they're coming at me like a hundred percent, and like it, it, it's, it matters. It's different. So you get that different body type. You can go a little bit harder without that worry of they're going too hard. They're not going hard enough. Um, you guys have a shared experience and. You kind of get to ask other women, like, you know, like, I tried this on people, like, I tried this on the student my my gym. It doesn't work. What do you do? You know? And so I think it's really great. I think you can kind of joke around. I th- You know, when I, um, I kind of told you the story like, yesterday, I was rolling with Chrissy Lindsay, and we were, um, it was so funny because we were rolling together, and I was trying to go for an underhook, and I told her after the roll, I'm like, I kind of couldn't get that underhook on you. And she's like, yeah, I know, it's my boobs. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, you're exactly right. You know, and, and like even then, like we don't want to like hurt our partners. But I know that for some guys, they're so paranoid about like, you know, hitting people like you know, I, when I my one of my first training partners, um, 
when I was a white belt, when I started, was this little guy with a rat tail, like, in, in Chapel Hill. And he, like, would try to pass my guard, close guard, and he wouldn't, ladies would be like, don't make eye contact. And he wouldn't look down. And he would just, like, put his hands, like, right on my chest. Oh. And then all of a sudden, I, I tried not to make a big deal about it, and I would just try to move them. And he'd look down and be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, again, that that discomfort for guys because of that, like, and, and the same thing for women. Like, we don't want to make it awkward. We are different, you know, and we want it to be fun. But I think that then we, we can kind of joke around it about it in a way that, that guys can't or they don't feel like they can with us. You finally get to a comfort level with people you can. But, but again, it's that, that being able to, like, do jujitsu without the hang-ups. Like, you know, is this person, you, you know, the, again, the physical, emotional, mental differences are there, you know, whether we like it or not. And it is. Were you tempted to pull out that guy's rat tail the way hoisted to chemo? <laughs> I mean, I really just tried to be like, let me just move his hands while he's not looking not, to not make a big deal. Because I know it's awkward for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's awkward for me, but I'm like, we just want to learn how to do jujitsu. And, um, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, Charlie, like, slowly, like, trying to move them, you know. And, uh, and it's just the same thing. Like, I, I need some people in unfortunate places. and I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Could you be more specific? Oh, no, just <laughs> like Cleveland? Is that yeah, like is yeah? That, okay, yeah. Like California? Yes, exactly. So I mean, you know, it just happens. I think, I think the other thing too is that training. Like I have met so many wonderful people that I would never have met otherwise. You know, because of jujitsu. But at the same time, like, um, so I'll give you a few examples of the kind of guys you roll with. You got these guys who are super cool. That they're like, oh, awesome! I'm gonna go roll with Mary. We're gonna learn this, this, and this. Then you've got those guys who are like, I don't roll with women because I like to smash, and I can't smash if I don't, you know, if I roll with you. And that's fine. That's totally fine. I, if that is what you want, then that is what you want. Like your, like your training is your own, you know. But I've also had those guys who are like, I can't roll with you because my wife would get mad at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh, it's between you and your wife. But that's okay, too. And then I've also had those guys who are like, you're rolling with them, and you go to get them in the choke, and they're like, oh, that is re- that's really good. That is good. Like they're surprised? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wow. How do you, that, wow, that is just so good. I'm like, you're really creeping me out, dog. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you just, and again, you just, you're just like, it bothers, you know, it can be bothersome that I'm like, I work really hard at this, so I hope it's good. But also, too, that, like, I'm like, I need you to keep rolling, <laughs> like, instead of stopping and, and talking to me in, in, like, Sir Creeps a lot way, you know, like, and, and, um, and I'm not saying that happens, you know, it's, it's, it's a life experience. You see this all sorts of places. But, um, but again, like, that, that happens. And I think that when we get to these women's open mats, we know that we're going to roll and we're not going to have that. And we can joke about that. And then we can go back and kind of tell some of our male training partners like hey you know when you know when you do that like it's kind of weird you know now i kind of want to make a sir creeps a lot shirt that can be passed (laughs) around so that when someone does something creepy you can just hand it to them wordlessly like hey (laughs) 
So th- that was a great answer. Uh, to take it in sort of a different direction sure. based on something you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you started te- when you started training, Mozzie was a purple belt. Yeah. And this is a situation that I find myself in. Seth Champ, my instructor, was a two-stripe purple belt when I started training. So Mary, you have four stripes on your purple I belt now. I only have three. You have three? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks I thought for you had promoting four. me. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Flip. Mo- Mozzie's at the door. He's going to choke me now. For... <laughs> no, no, dude, I, thought, I don't I mean thought... to. No, no, no. I don't mean to be rude. No. Pfft. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about you being rude. <laughs> but, you know, stripes, stripes regardless. Like, right. is it strange for you uh-huh. that, like, like, hey, when I started training, my instructor, who's this really well-restructed guy, was yeah. a purple belt, and now I yeah. am a purple belt. Is that, is that odd for you in any way? It kind of is. I think it's um, it, it's just kind of crazy, like, you know, the how much, you know, I've been doing this, like, officially for eight years. So, um, and, like, and I had seen stuff, like, for a few months before that. Like, you know, it's not, the, you know, it's, I, in any way. So that's a long time, like. Married, divorced, like finished two degrees in between that. Like that is a long amount of time. And um, and I think that that's the thing that, you know, you, you kind of realize like, wow, I can't believe that I've invested this much time in this thing. But also too, like I, ima- I think about the amount of time that like Mozzie and Seth and Jason and Billy and all these guys who have helped me grow as a student, like how much time and effort and emotion and they've and put into it and how much they've changed like how much i imagine their mindsets and and their perspective on jujitsu have changed over time how much they've seen the sport change and how much we're going to see it change in the future it's it's pretty crazy and and amazing at the same time like like uh you know again like a few years ago when the baron bolo was like holy crap, what is this? And and now it's just kind of like an everyday thing. And, you know, or when Deep Half was like so huge and, and like I remember, I'm like, oh my God, it's the next big thing. And, um, you know, like, all right, okay, great, Deep Half. Or, oh, great, great, Bambolo. Now we figured out what to do with it. You know, And it's like, again, like how much the sport is, is progressing and evolving. How fast have those eight years gone for you? Actually, it's gone amazingly fast. Amazingly fast. And, um, I keep forgetting how old I am sometimes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not it ain't nothing but a number. Yeah, I'm not, uh, not in my 20s anymore. And um, so it is nuts, you know. So before we, we have about uh, five or six more minutes. And sure. I, w- I want to talk with you a little bit about your super fight matches, Yay. not just the one that's coming up, but mm-hmm. also the one that you did. Um, so uh, we did at Toro Cup 2, uh, you had a match where uh, we were benefiting Doggy Rescue. <gasps> and you famously said you were doing the match, quote, for the puppies, unquote. <laughs> So I'm wondering, like, I, can you talk about, well, like, sure. animals, why that cause was close to your heart? Um, so I I love animals. I love, well, not all. I mean, I have, like, raccoons are weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they are weird. But um, but dogs, dogs are great. Dogs and cats. And so um, my, um, one of a dog I had who who died a couple years ago we got from the Orange County Animal Shelter and she was just amazing and um then um uh, the dog that um my my boyfriend Rob just recently adopted that we um that we adopted named Hank we got from the Durham APS and they're just like sweet amazing um animals and um and I, you know, it means a lot to me when I mean, my parents have a dog that randomly showed up at their house and like 10 years ago. And it's like now they're, her name is Oofy Doofy, the wild dog from Borneo. She's adorable. But, um, and, and again, like they are a huge part of their life. They love you unconditionally. And, you know, we, we, we see these 
you know, these great stories about them, like in the military and the police and all the stuff, you know, like of dogs that do these amazing things or even cats, whatever, you know. But not raccoons. You know, I mean, they use a box, whatever. <laughs> raccoons, oh my God. Um, I have a great raccoon story. I'll save it for another time. But um, anyway, but no, I think they're just wonderful and, and, um, and they deserve like the chance to be adopted and taken care of and good homes and um, groups like the APS and um, and whatnot that go to kind of kind of help them and I, I really think it's a wonderful thing and I believe in it very much. Um, yeah, the Durham Animal Protection Society is where uh, Susie the cage side dog yeah. came from and so we were able to raise a little over two thousand dollars for that thanks to people like Mary and their good hearts. Yay. And so that was, all. and your match was also awesome. Yeah. And speaking of awesome matches, I'm very excited for your match with Lori Porsche. Yeah. So both of you uh, are skilled technicians. Both mm-hmm. of you are in great shape. And I have my own opinions about like what kind of stylistic matchup mm-hmm. this is going to be. But I'm curious, like, uh, do you have a particular? How do you go about preparing for a match like this? Do you game plan specifically for Lori, or do you just continue to train to to focus on your own game? Um. So, first and foremost, I say yes to the match, and then I immediately go, oh, insert expletive here. <laughs> what have I done? Because Lori, as I mentioned before, is amazing. Like, she's she's just great. And, and I'm really excited because um, I think the things that Lori does well are not the things that I do well. And so I think it'll be fun. I think initially I freak out about what I know about this person and what they do well, and then people talk me off the ledge and just be like, just go train. And it's really funny that um, I'm doing this interview. I think that had this been a year ago, this wouldn't have happened because I've been like, no, I'm jinxing myself. Can't do it. And now I'm like, oh, whatever, this would be great. Good times. Um, so I think that uh, you know that mindset changing, like, all right, I'm going to keep training, working on X, Y, and Z. Again, these are things that I, I want to improve upon and work on those things. These are things that do well, flow into that. Like, so, and I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it should be fun. Like, and again, like, uh, you know, I saw Lori at Pan Ams, and we were, like, joking around and talking about, like, our match coming up. And um, so it. I, I think she's great, and I think it'll be fun. When you say that Lori does things well that you don't feel like you do well, break down the stylistic matchup <clears throat> for people. Like, what do you think your strengths are that you bring to bear? What do you think Lori's strengths are that she brings to bear? Um, and, and granted, again, I've only rolled with Lori a couple times, and these were open mats. These weren't like us, like trying to like murder each other, well, or yeah. you know, win a match. You know, this was us, like you know. Um, I think that based on my previous roles with Lori, she's really good at getting underneath you, like in terms of like upsetting your balance really well. Um, she's uh, got a great foot lock and leg lock game. And um, and she's got a great takedown game. And I, I don't feel like I am as strong in any of those three things. Um, I think that I have... <sighs> For me, like, I know when I get to a certain place that I'm generally good. Like, I'm like, if I get here, I'm good. And, um, but I, I think that my worry with Lori is, is getting there. Like, I'm like, am I going to get to that place? And I think that she would be a very, like, she's going to do a very good job shutting those things down. And so it's a good place for me to kind of begin to work on or continue working on, like, all right, what happens when I get taken down? Like, what happens when, like, you know, I get lifted up and swept? Like, what happens when they get to my back or, you know, mount from this position? And, and so, again, continuing to work on those things. Do you have a specific game plan for this match? And uh, if so, you can totally share it with us. I'm sure Lori's not listening. 
I, I don't right now. I think that I think that um, the problem is is that whenever I try to go in with a, a game plan, I tend to not be able to execute it, and then I get frustrated. So um, I think that first and foremost is just trying to like think conceptually, like avoid like keep doing this, this, and this, like positive thoughts, like keep doing versus not doing, like work on staying um, tight and, you know, elbows in, elbows knees, stuff like that, just conceptual things, you know, honestly, like, I, it, it's kind of hard for me to say, like, I, I just, I'm trying to, to make it, like, don't worry about not doing something, worry about, like, doing something. Well, Mary, we just have a, a minute or two left, but like, do you have, uh, is there anything I haven't asked about that you think I should have asked about or any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? I would like to let the listeners know that they are always welcome to come visit us at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu anytime. Um, and I want to thank that all of my wonderful teammates there. Like, they're absolutely amazing. I've spent eight years of my life with a lot of them, um, training and learning and growing, and, and I really appreciate them. I also appreciate all the other um, Team Rock members, especially the guys out in Cary um, with Jason Colbert. They've helped me so much recently. Um, with my work schedule, I go there, like, generally on Wednesday nights, and that's been really helpful. They're all great guys. Um, and the best of luck to everyone competing. And um, if anybody is interested, we always have open mats at Chapel Hill Jiu Jitsu on Sundays from 10 to 2. I'm heading out there after this interview. And, um, yeah. Oh, um, and then come to the Concussion Cast Carnival. Come to the Concussion Cast Carnival May 1st. Watch our guest, three striped purple belt, Mary Holmes from <laughs> Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu Jitsu, take on Lori Porsche from Beta Academy. Sure to be a super exciting match. Mary, I want to thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun interviewing you today. Thank you, Jeff Shaw. So, folks, that's our show. Um, just a couple of things uh, to get a, a couple of, of explanatory notes. Uh, first of all, my thanks, as always, to my guest, Mary Holmes, uh, and to everybody at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Um, the Concussion Gas Carnival is coming up May 1st. Please come up. We're going to benefit Cage Side MMA and uh, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu moving into a new facility. It's going to be a fantastic, fun time with wonderful, wonderful super fights. It's going to be a beautiful day. May 1st, Durham Central Park, noon till about 3 p.m., Carnival Games, food trucks, all manner of fun times. I personally guarantee uh, a great, great, uh, a great, great event. And jujitsu super fights in a cage, which will be awesome. Um, next week, we're going to have a, a, something of a, I hope to have a super special surprise guest for y'all that um, is, you know, and I'm, without, without tipping my hand too much, I'll just say if you're a fan of jujitsu history, um, you should probably be prepared to tune in next week, as you should every week. So, my name is Jeff Shaw. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, 104.7 WHUPFM. Thank you so much for listening, and we are going to let Tune and the Real Law play us out. <laughs>